here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And now, a very important message from Zack Sabre Jr. I was seriously annoyed about this. This is bullshit. Every time you achieve something in this company, there's a, there's beers on the table, and you do a, you do the campai and you shit. The beer is warm. Why is the beer warm? The stereotype, the stereotype that English men like warm beer. It's not true. Ale is warm. Lager is cold. You understand, don't you? So why? I just won the biggest tournament of my career. And I, I hold, oh, oh, it's a warm beer. If you went to an izakaya and they gave you a warm beer, you'd throw it away, wouldn't you? So I'll let, I'll let the company off this time. But I want it known. Ryugoku, April 1st, when I win the heavyweight championship, and I assure you, I will win the heavyweight championship. Please don't piss me off. Please give me cold beer. That's all I ask. I'm I'm a humble man. With simple demands. Just give me a a cold beer. Right? I'm waiting. It's my music! You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today is one half of the Super Jcast, which is also on the VOW Podcast Network. He is also a contributing writer for Voices of Wrestling. Coming to us all the way from China, it's Mr. Joel Abraham. Joel, welcome. Hello. Thank you for very much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, man. It's uh, great to have you on here. Um, I, I'm a big fan of your writing, and uh, I enjoy the Super J cast as well. I, I think you and Damon make uh, a really great team, you know, talking about New Japan and, and Kota Bushi's potato chips and Yo's new ring gear and all that stuff. Uh, so it's it's a lot of fun to listen to, and uh, you guys you do it every week too um, while living on separate continents. Uh, I mean, you know, Damon's in New Jersey, you're in China, so it's it's pretty remarkable, I think, um, just how connected we all are, even when we're thousands of miles apart. Yeah, magic of pro wrestling bringing people together. So just curious, uh, how long have you been living in China? Uh, I've just coming up to two years now. I live in uh, uh, an island called Shaman. 
in the southeast. It's opposite Taiwan. Uh, very nice place, about 4 million people living here. And uh, yeah, I really like it here, apart from uh, having to do everything from behind a VPN. But uh, I'll keep it on the download. I don't want to get in trouble with the government. I mean, this podcast isn't that big, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> um, now, as far as wrestling is concerned, uh, how long have you been a fan of wrestling? Uh, started watching WWF when I was a kid about 20 odd years ago because that was a uh, quite big in school as well you know kids going around doing stone cold stunners on each other in the playground hmm. um became somewhat lapsed as most fans do uh started getting into ufc as i got a bit older um and just recently discovered uh new japan pro wrestling starting from wrestle kingdom 11 after uh hearing about big dave and his six star rating so uh ever since i watched that i've been hooked so it's New Japan all the way for me. I do still watch WWE, but uh, it's becoming harder and harder to swallow these days. Yeah, that pill is uh, its getting a bit harder to swallow, I think, as uh, time goes on. That's for sure. But uh, uh, now music. Um, has music played a big part of your wrestling fandom at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the, the entrance themes, like I always think that when you go to a wrestling show, you're sort of getting a bit of the combat sports and it's also kind of a, a music concert as well because uh, hearing those themes are a big part of it. So mm. uh, my iPhone is full of wrestling music and uh, before I was uh, heading off to WrestleKing in 12 last year, I had all the, the entrance themes on a playlist sort of psyching myself up for the event. <laughs> so uh, for me, the, these wrestling themes, they come connected with a whole host of memories and, and nostalgia. So it's uh, they, the two things go hand in hand. Well, that's what this podcast is all about, you know? So uh, you've come to the right place, I think. Uh, so uh, yeah, again, it's great to have you on here, Joel. Um, when I needed a co-host for this episode, I did send out the bat signal uh, to the prestigious VOW Slack chat, asking if anyone wanted to cover today's topic with me. And you raised your hand because you're a big fan of today's topic. Um, now this is episode... Well, look, th- uh, yes, Joel, yes, yes. Sorry to interrupt, Dan. I'm going to level with you here. I'm only here to try and get a high spot on next year's Voices Kingdom card. All of it. All the articles I'm writing, all of it, the Super J cast, all of it is to get out of that damn pre-show Rambo. And I don't know anything about Zack Sabra JR. Quite frankly, I don't care. So let's just get through this, yeah? You politicking son of a bitch. (laughs) I knew there was an ulterior motive somewhere. (laughs) But uh, anyway, anyway, as I was saying, uh, this is episode 34 and we will be discussing the theme history of the Technical Wizard, the Submission Master, the Dickhead Hunter, the Hunk Killer, Zack Sabre Jr. Which, you know, personally, I find it kind of odd that he calls himself the Hunk Killer. Because he himself is quite the hunk, you know? He's a very handsome man. So essentially, he's, he's killing his own kind, Joel. He's, he's killing his own kind. I don't think he realizes that he's a hunk. I think maybe it's something he's grown into in recent years. I think certainly if you go back and look at him in his uh, sort of scene kid days with a floppy hair, then <laughs> you might have a, a different opinion. But certainly now he's smartened himself up. He definitely falls into that category. Do you think when um, when Zach wakes up every morning and sees himself in the bathroom mirror, he has to stop himself from breaking his own arm? You know, he he, uh, he sees his reflection. You want my... Oh, it's, it's me. It's me. Okay. Yeah, it's all, all instinct with him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., he is the subject for today's episode, him and his entrance themes. Um, Now, if you've been paying attention at all to pro wrestling these past few years, 
you know the name Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Certainly one of the biggest independent wrestlers in both America and Europe. He's been in so many promotions, I, I can't even count them all. He's held titles or won tournaments in most of them. We're talking New Japan, PWG, RevPro, Progress, Evolve, WXW, AAW, NOAA. Uh, he was in the Cruiserweight Classic a few years ago in WWE. He won the New Japan Cup a few months ago, and uh, he made a vented against Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Sakura Genesis. The guy is just, he, he's killing it everywhere he goes. Uh, it, it's pretty freaking great. I mean, uh, what else is there to say, you know? So, um, now, Joe, I know that you're a big fan of uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, you wouldn't be here otherwise, I don't think. Uh, so, uh, what is it about Zack that appeals to you? You know, what, what do you love about Zack Sabre Jr.? He's just a, an all-round good guy, isn't he? I mean, he donates portions of his pay to supporting LGBT folks. Uh, he specifically publicly helps trans people. He threatens to arm our people who hurt animals. He hates the Tories and he, he wrestles brilliantly. So what's not to like? Okay, well, uh, um, anything else or is that your definitive list? Yeah, I'm sure we could go to more detail as we go on. Um, of course, uh, uh, a representative from the Isle of Sheppey. I don't know how much you know about the Isle of Sheppey in Kent in the UK. Uh, not much. Uh, it's not one of my uh, areas of expertise, uh, shall we say. So three prisons, a, a naturist beach. It's about 40,000 people, uh, lots of marshes. They call people from their swampies and lots of sheep as well. Okay, well, uh, good to know. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, um, yeah, there are a couple things that I love about Zach. Uh, number one is his creativity. Uh, I think Zach is really one of the most creative in-ring guys out there right now. Um, what Will Ospreay and Ricochet are to flippy doos, I think Zach is to technical wrestling. Um, and at the risk of coming off a little bit too egotistical here, uh, I, I will quote myself uh, from the Cruiserweight Classic finale preview that I wrote. The pleasure of watching Sabre wrestle is discovering how creative he can be in dishing out the pain. And I think that it is a lot of fun seeing Zack come up with these wacky submissions. I mean, you know, try to recall a Zack Sabre Jr. match where he only puts a guy in an armbar or a simple leg lock. Because he doesn't. You know, he's constantly coming up with variations on holds as he's doing them. He doesn't just put, you know, a guy in an armbar. He'll bend the guy's wrist back. He'll, he'll torque the fingers. He'll trap the guy's other arm in between his legs. He'll dig his fist into the crook of the elbow, and then he'll slink around the guy's body and apply a different hold. It's like Zack is never satisfied with the submissions that he comes up with. He's always trying to one-up himself, which leads, I think, to some pretty exciting matches, you know? Because it, it seems like any hold that Zack puts on a guy could end the match. Yeah, I totally agree. He's like a sort of freestyle jazz musician when he's out there in the ring. And certainly this is a guy who the, the wrestling and the music go hand in hand along with other stuff. And I think this must be one of the more musically eclectic editions of Music of the Matt that I can remember. Um, I know the, the music we've got coming up, but even beyond that, I think he used to use Teenage Kicks by the Undertones for a few years. Um, when he was the leader of the new school with Party Marty Skull, he had uh, Lava Lava by Boys Noise. And uh, also a band that I'm a big fan of, 65 Days of Static. He used Retreat, Retreat, one of their songs on quite a few of his UK indie shows. So uh, yeah, definitely a guy who was inspired by his music. And I think um, the, the way he wrestles in the ring and his choice of entrance scenes reflects that. 
Yeah, the music that we have today is a pretty eclectic list. Um, a lot of different types of uh, sounds and styles. And I think that that might say something about Zach's creativity as well. Uh, he's, he's not limited to uh, one genre of music. Um, the other thing I love about Zach is his personality. Because Zach isn't just a great wrestler, he's a great talker as well. We see him in New Japan with Takamichi Noku as his mouthpiece, his hype man, as, as Zach calls him. And don't get me wrong, Taka is a fantastic mouthpiece. I love that pairing. But Zach is totally capable of cutting his own promos and talking for himself and being entertaining on the mic when he needs to. He's not like a Lance Storm, who is this amazing technician, but has the personality of, I don't know, a dry erase board. You know, he's more like a Chris Jericho who can work both on the mat and on the mic. Uh, his, his banter game is quite excellent, I'd say. Um, I was watching uh, the match he had against Prince Devitt at Progress Chapter 13 a little while ago. And at one point, he has Devitt in an armbar, and he grabs Devitt's fingers, and he bends back the index finger and says, This little piggy went to market. Then he bends back the middle finger and says, And this one said, Fuck you! Which is just, you know, fantastic. I mean... He once cut a promo, this was recent by the way, he once cut a promo on Hiroshi Tanahashi saying that the only thing holding him together is hairspray and athletic tape. So Zack's banter game is just top notch. And again, the irony of it all, Zack being the dickhead hunter, he himself can be a giant dickhead. So I, th I think it's quite funny how that all works out, uh, Joel. Yeah, I guess maybe that's the irony of Zack Sabre Jr., isn't it? That he is a hunk and he is a dickhead, but he's going on after his own kind, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Now, Joel, uh, do you remember the first time you ever saw Zack uh, Russell? First time I saw him was actually the Cruiserweight Classic. I'd heard his name before, uh, but it wasn't until I watched that that piqued my curiosity and it encouraged me to go and delve back through some of his back catalogue and see what he'd been up to before. And it's a uh, a truly remarkable career, a guy who's been all over the world, won titles in many different continents. Um, but I feel most recently in his New Japan Cup run, that's where he's really started to shine. Uh, and of course, he's had prestigious runs in other companies. He's had a, a great one with uh, PWG as well. That one stood out to me. So uh, a guy who over the last few years has really started to get more prominence and um, his matches are just incredible to watch. And I've been a fan ever since. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, the first time I ever saw Zach uh, was a few years before you. Uh, this was back in 2011. I was watching uh, Chikara's King of Trios tournament from that year. And uh, Zach wasn't in King of Trios that year. He was actually in the uh, Rey de Voladores tournament, which is like this little mini tournament that Chikara does the every King of Trios weekend with a bunch of high-flying wrestlers, because uh, Rey de Voladores is Spanish for King of the Flyers. Because, you know, when you think of high-flying wrestlers, you think of Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was the first time I ever saw Zack uh, wrestle. And he, he didn't have the super floppy hair that he used to have back then. It was more like medium floppy, I'd say. He still had the bangs. And he, he cuts a promo in, in true dickhead Zack Sabre Jr. fashion. He cuts a promo before the match and he's talking about how he was in the King of the Flippies tournament, as he called it. And he was going to win his match with an armbar. He was going to win the finals with an armbar. He was going to rename the tournament King of the Armbars. 
And then he ends the promo uh, saying, and this is a direct quote too, Then I'm going to find those creepy ice cream fellas to take them out for a Guinness and a Shandy. And we're going to have a jolly old good time. Cheerio. So it, it made me laugh back then. It makes me laugh today. Uh, you can see not much has changed uh, in terms of his personality. Um, his haircut's changed, you know, but uh, he's still the same cocky guy uh, that he was back then. Um, maybe even more so, actually. But um, yeah. I wonder if you could sort of track some sort of correlation between the length of his hair and the quality of his matches. As the hair's <laughs> got shorter, the, the matches get better. I don't know. Could be onto something there. Perhaps. Perhaps. You never know. Could be. Well, maybe some scientist man will figure it out for us, perhaps. But uh, in any event, uh, Joel, uh, if you are ready, we will discuss the themes of one Zack Sabre Jr. Ready. Let's do this. Awesome. All right. So uh, before we start, a little note here. Um, as Joel mentioned before, being an indie guy, Zack has probably had a lot of, uh, of one-off themes over the years. Uh, some of them are you know, pretty hard to find references for, um, at least for me. So we won't cover all of Zack's themes that he's ever had today, obviously. So we're, we're mainly covering the big ones. And, and I know Zack, he did use Warp 1.9 by the Bloody Beetroots in RevPro. That song was already covered uh, in the Progress episode a few months back because uh, we talked about Marty Skrull that episode. So I just want to clarify right now all of that for the listener. So uh, with that said, let's begin with our first theme here. Uh, Zach had this one early in his career uh, in European companies like WXW. This is the band Survivor with a song off the soundtrack to the classic 80s film Rocky IV. This is Burning Heart. seen Rocky IV, uh, there's a part of the movie that is a staple of the Rocky franchise, and that's the training montage, where Rocky trains his heart out for the big boxing match that will be at the climax of the film. Uh, in Rocky IV, Rocky is training for a fight against the big, muscular Soviet boxer Ivan Drago. And Rocky is training not in the gym, but in the wintry woods of Soviet Russia. So the montage consists of him picking up and throwing logs, chopping wood, climbing mountains, uh, running through the icy snow. And the song that is playing throughout the montage is this song, Burning Heart. And it's a good song for a training montage, you know, it's got the 
the emphatic vocals, the driving beat, the emotional chorus, the inspiring lyrics. It's as if the song itself is willing you on to keep fighting, to keep training, to win, goddammit. And for a young, up-and-coming wrestler, a babyface wrestler like Zack Sabre Jr., it's perfect because he's young and he's hungry and he's eager to prove himself as a capable wrestler. He's got that unmistakable fire within him, as the song goes, that that burning heart is inside of him, Joel. Right, so when I hear this, uh, it makes me think of a, a fresh-faced, floppy-haired Zach, and that's where we can really get a feel for his European roots. So uh, being a relatively new fan, I wanted to go back and do my due diligence and find a bit more about his, his background. So he was a child, like myself, of the ITV World of Sport era. So that was a, a wrestling show that was on UK free t- TV back in the day. And this is the same program that WWE are trying so hard to kill these days. So he grew up watching people like Johnny Kidd, Johnny Saint, which I think is reflected in his moves. And um, Jimmy Brakes as well, but he's not doing that anymore because uh, Jimmy Brakes put himself into a, a spot of bother, as you say. A little pickle there, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he started training very young at the age of 14, I think. He was at the NWA UK Hamlock Training School. Uh, some other names came out of that, like uh, Doug Williams, Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, Katie Lee. And uh, I was trying to find out where, where did the name Zack Sabre Jr. come from? And I saw some legends and stuff on Twitter, but uh, I did get to the, the root of it. It's apparently something he came up with in these Hamlock days because he was one of the youngest members and it was decided that. It should be something junior, and Zack Sabre was just an amalgamation of several ideas. So I'm sorry to spoil the mystique there. So I was looking into this and you know listening to this song, thinking about what kind of matches he'd be having, who'd be wrestling against them. And he defended that uh, NWA UK Junior Heavyweight Championship against people like Jimmy Havoc and uh, El Generico, who we of course know as Sami Zayn, and uh, had this popular team with um, Marty Skrull, as I mentioned earlier, and. Um, you put him in the direction of this match with Brian Danielson that he had where his hair is so long and floppy, it actually makes it look like he's wearing a beanie hat. <laughs> and this is a really funny match because uh, towards the end, Danielson accidentally pinned Zach. I think it was with a Mahestyle cradle. And then after that, it's amazing. You can hear the most British heckles of all time. You can hear someone say, ref, you're a Muppet. Uh, someone <laughs> shouts out best in the world. And then someone else shouts out, no, he's not. He's wrestling in a pub. <laughs> and then you've got Danielson and the ref, they're just staring at each other, wondering what to do. And then he ends up asking a girl in a, a Danielson t-shirt whether or not to have five more minutes. And she says half an hour. So they restart the match. Danielson still wins. <laughs> it's just incredible. So, yeah, like yourself, I was thinking of the Rocky Four soundtrack. And I know on these shows you like to go a bit deeper, look at the lyrics. And I studied English literature when I was at university. So I'm good at pulling tenuous connections out of my ass when looking at a piece of text. So I was trying to look closely at these song lyrics and see, you know, what's, what links we can make between this choice of music and Zack Sabre Jr. So, of course, the big theme here, as, as you mentioned with Rocky IV, is rival nations, as it mentions in the song. So um, a bit of a history lesson here. Um, According to the diary of Samuel Pepys, the Isle of Sheppey, where Mr. Sabre comes from, that's one of the few parts of the UK to be lost to a foreign power since William the Conqueror's invasion in 1066. So this was back in 1667. There was a, a heavily armed Dutch Navy fleet sailed up the Thames estuary, captured the fort at Sheerness, which at the time was incomplete. It was manned by a rather underfed and underpaid garrison. That was manned by deserters from the English Royal Navy. So they laid down, they did the job, so to speak. They didn't, they didn't want to fight. So the Dutch, they took some supplies, they took ammunition, they took guns, they burned everything else and they left a few days later. So I'm sure that this is something that stings the pride of Zach. 
and motivated him to to go out and in an ironic twist become somewhat of a foreign invading power himself and there lies a bit of bad blood between the Isle of Sheppey and the Dutch and I guess it's a, a coincidence that uh, Zach Sabre Jr.'s debut for WXW in 2008 uh, he lost to Dutchman Tommy Enns of course we know as Alistair Black and uh, this is interesting a week later he went into a 20 minute time limit draw with a current New Japan title holder do you know who that was? Uh, let's see a, a current New Japan title holder would it be would it be Marty himself? It wasn't Marty, no. It was none other than Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Oh yes, of course, right. The yes. The old Noah connection. Right, yeah, yeah. That was during Pro Wrestling Noah's UK tour at the commentary Sky Dome. So yeah, going back to this song, we've got lyrics like so much at stake, and it makes me think of, you know, the sixteen carat tournaments that he was in back in the day and seems our freedoms up against the ropes. To me, that's clearly a comment on the state of British politics, the influence of the media. Uh, East versus West, I think that's a reference to his time spent in Japan, even if it hadn't necessarily happened yet at the time that he picked this song. Uh, Can Any Nation Stand Alone? It makes me think of his tea with Big Daddy Walter, or maybe even a chilling foreshadowing of Brexit. And then just the, the title of the song, Burning Heart, that's... Uh, I think that stands as a counterpoint to Burning Spirits, which, of course, is a term given to the most popular collection of Japanese hardcore bands. Again, hinting at Zach's prores inspirations. And in the Warrior's Code, there's no surrender. Though his body says stop, his spirit cries never. So, of course, a submission wrestler like Zack Sabre Jr., that's key to his wrestling philosophy. He's made hundreds of wrestlers say stop throughout his career. And uh, in the heat of attack, it's the passion that kills. Um, maybe... Uh, just a, a little foreshadowing there, the misfortunes of Jim Brakes, because, uh, of course, a uh, terrible story. He's not going to be using the Jim Brakes special move name anymore because, uh, of course, Jimmy Brakes was arrested on suspicion of killing his ex-partner in Gran Canaria. So, again, a, a whole mix of things that we can pick out from the lyrics of this song. Joel, I was an English major in college, so I've written quite a few essays in my life, and I've bullshitted my way through a couple of them, but... My God, man, the tenuous links that you just pulled out of your ass. Uh, bravo, man. I'm, I'm Bra- giving myself a round of applause here. Incredible. Incredible. Would have made my university proud with that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so my take on the lyrics are that obviously they're a bit dated and specific to the film Rocky Four itself, uh, particularly the first verse because it's about the Cold War and the symbolic battle between the American Rocky Balboa and the Soviet Ivan Drago uh, seems our freedoms against the ropes. Is it East versus West or man against man? All very schmaltzy and of the time period. The chorus and the second verse, uh, they are a lot broader and are more about the mindset of a warrior and the warrior's code and perseverance through pain, uh, the battle of wills, the victory, and so on. Again, all very schmaltzy. And again, it's the kind of mentality that works for pretty much any fiery white meat babyface wrestler out there, uh, Zach or otherwise. Mm, agree. Yeah, and uh, I encourage everyone out there to check out the uh, Zach Saber Jr. highlight video that WXW made back in 2010. Uh, it's on our YouTube page right now. It's set to Burning Heart, and it features a very young Zach Saber Jr. Uh, with the floppy hair, the mop top, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's wrestling Walter. He's wrestling Brian Danielson. 
Shingo Takagi, Claudio Castagnoli. And it's not just Zack beating all these guys up, either. They show him taking a beating as well. So it really emphasizes the struggle of the song, fighting through the pain and the hardships, and eventually winning in the end. Uh, the, the burning heart of an up-and-comer trying to make it in the world with, with gumption and guts and fortitude. And that's the important thing to reinforce here. You know, this is still a very young Zack Sabre Jr. He isn't as experienced or as fleshed out a character as he is nowadays, as the, the bantery, asshole, British super technician. I don't think this song would necessarily work for a 2018 Zack Sabre Jr., but for a 2008, 2009, 2010 Zack Sabre Jr., it totally fits him. Yeah, I was wondering, do you think that's a song that he chose himself? You see, that's a good question. That's a good question because Survivor isn't a band that Zack would likely listen to. Or any younger or any younger guys nowadays would listen to. No, especially um, not so. someone like Zack Sabre Jr., who, uh, you know, I imagine was a sort of emo uh, indie scene kid sort of hanging around the venues at Camden. So it would be strange for me f- to imagine him rocking out to Survivor in his spare time. But uh, as you say, it's still it's a, a good choice. It does fit him for the time he was at in his career. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mungo. <laughs> Our second theme of the episode, and this is one that Zach has used on the independent scene for much of his career. Um, it's a song by Joy Orbison, which is a great name, by the way. This is Hyph Mungo. from 80s hard rock to British garage dubstep music. So it's quite the left turn there. No more guitars, no more testosterone-filled vocals. This is just pure techno goodness. You get the long, subdued intro in the beginning, which keeps things rather muted and at a distance. And then it slowly brings the music forward, adding these little pieces one by one. First we get the the synth line that... Then the female vocal sample comes in. Which is actually sampled from a Janet Jackson song, Love Will Never Do Without You. And then after that, the drum track uh, kicks in. And that's about it for the rest of the song. Uh, That melody is just repeated over and over again until it ends. There are a few moments when it breaks it up with another lone synth melody or something like that, but 
it's pretty much just that repeated phrase over and over again. Not that I'm complaining either, because this song I think is, is pretty awesome. Um, it's, it's so buoyant and uplifting and entrancing. It really perks you up and gets you moving and grooving. So I give a big thumbs up to uh, Haif Mungo. Yeah, to me, when I hear this, this is music, Zach, right? So uh, I looked into Joy Orbison. This is a guy, Peter O'Grady, English electronic musician, and his stars are a big coalescence of things like house, dubstep, UK funky, UK garage, old school jungle. And that's kind of Zach Sabre Jr. in a nutshell. And it seems more like the Zach Sabre Jr. that we've known and loved than the previous song. And music is a definite inspiration for the man. He's said that he's a big fan of Mogwai. That's a, a Scottish band. They're post-rock. Uh, he likes other post-rock stuff, Explosions in the Sky, and all kinds of genres like My Bloody Valentine, The Smiths, but mostly post-rock, and I think that's something you, you get a feel of here. So he's into his live music. He said he, he's seen people like Bob Dylan at the drive-in. He saw at the drive-in's reunion tour. He's seen uh, Alexis on Fire's last show at the Brixton Academy. Uh, that's a famous venue in the UK, a place where he's wrestled, actually. And I reckon that I must have been at a few of the same gigs as him because we're the same age and if he was hanging around those sorts of venues around Camden, like Electric Ballroom, that sort of stuff, we must have been at one or two of the same shows. And, um, you look at a band like Mogwai, they've been around for more than 20 years and they haven't compromised the way they make music and you can see that's inspired Zack Sabre Jr.'s style. It's that balance of artistry and success and you can look at the artists and musicians the film directors that inspire him people like ken loach um, jeremy corbyn leader of the labor party uh, john pilger uh, youth movie soundtrack strategies and you can really see that in his wrestling so he's not a guy who's anti-pop or he's not an anti-mainstream music per se but he does stay true to himself and again it's a guy who doesn't want to be a famous wrestler he just wants to be a successful wrestler who gets to travel he's creatively fulfilled uh, he's a guy who's got kind of like a punk ethos, but he feels that's best represented in, in techno music, electronic music, because like the man himself, it's boundaryless, just like his wrestling. And uh, he, he compared himself to Brian Eno in an interview before Sakura Genesis, his match with Okada, uh, talking about ambient music. Uh, Brian Eno, a guy with contributions to rock, pop, electronic, generative music. I was looking online as well. Uh, Zach shared his pre-Battle of Los Angeles playlist, which featured lots of ambient post-rock music, like Sir Eve Tumor, Hainali, Earth and Sea, Vatican Shadow, Blank Mass, Nathan Fake. He's into his neoclassical stuff, record labels like Erase Tapes. There's a composer called Max Richter, even older stuff like Aphex Twin, other electronica techno. And as always, this seeps into his wrestling. And you can see that in some of the names of his moves as well. Like one of his more infamous ones was called Hurrah. Another year, surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness, which I think is the name of an album by youth movie soundtrack strategies. And he was pretty chuffed when they noticed it and acknowledged it. And he's insisted that every commentator has to say the whole name and <laughs> that maybe even discover a defunct Oxford math rock instrumental band in the process. And he's got a record saying that he's disappointed they're defunct now because uh, ideally he'd like a nine minute instrumental accompanying him to <laughs> ring. So kind of like a, a new Sandman entrance for the math rock kids. Yeah. Uh, wow. You did a lot of research, didn't you? <laughs> you took a lot more notes than I did. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I bring my A game to the table, Andrew. Yeah, you're uh, making me look bad here, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. No, no, no. Listen, I'm teasing you, of course. I'm teasing you. I, I love that you're bringing so much uh, background knowledge to the table here. It's why I love having people on the show. Uh, it's, it's hearing them approach the music in their own way uh, as a contrast to my own. So this is all just fantastic stuff. And it's really, I think, key to understanding who Zack Sabre Jr. is. Um, and, and I think 
unlike Survivor and Burning Heart, this song, it does sound like one that Zach would pick out. And I think it's a good representation of Zach as well, uh, of him maturing and becoming much more focused as a wrestler, I'd say. Because Burning Heart is this intense, uh, super emotional, guts and glory rock song with big guitars and sweaty dude vocals. Hyph Mungo is not like that at all. Uh, it doesn't get sentimental. It doesn't have the, the peaks and valleys of a hard rock song. No bombastic guitars, no real lyrics. It's a very focused song. Uh, you know, it, it focuses on that phrase and repeats it over and over again. It's, it's calculated. It's steady. And as Zach grew up, I think his character and his in-ring style became so much more focused. Uh, he's no longer just another upstart babyface trying to make it. He's an experienced wrestler with a clear character, a clear personality, and a clear wrestling style which is a technical wrestling style, which itself is so focused and calculated and unwavering in its goals. So Hyph Mungo may not seem that deep at first, but I think it says a lot about the growth of Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, and you can really imagine him being backstage at like the, the Reseda venue before a Battle of Los Angeles, listening to music like this on his iPod or, or whatever, and really getting into that zone, uh, that sort of free-flowing, uh, boundaryless thing, as, I, as I've mentioned. And again, I think that really comes out in his wrestling. Theme number three, and this is a song that Zach has used in places like Progress and Noah during the mid-2010s. Off the album The New Fellas, this is The Cribs with Hey Scenesters. here, uh, but I'd say it has much more of a youthful exuberance than Burning Heart does. Uh, one, because this song came out 20 years after Burning Heart, and uh, two, because the Cribs, they were part of that, uh, that indie post-punk revival scene of the early 2000s, alongside bands like The Strokes and The Vines and Arctic Monkeys, Kaiser Chiefs, Interpol, many others. So it just sounds uh, fresher and younger and more up-to-date than Burning Heart does. Not that I'm judging. I love Burning Heart too. Don't get me wrong. But uh, that's the way it is. So uh, This is a fun song. It's got a nice post-punk bounce to it. A lot of that brash uh, British attitude in the vocals that really dominated the sound of the scene during that time period. And if, if nothing else, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. is quite British. So the song... It's a good song to really represent that aspect of Zack, the British aspect of him. And it's also a good song to use in progress. 
because that whole environment just gives off this whole vibrant, electric, uh, energetic aura. So a song like this really fits in well with that atmosphere, uh, I think. Yeah, you really start to see some of the Englishness shine through here because the Cribs, obviously, they're an English indie rock band. I think they're from West Yorkshire. And uh, the, the drummer, uh, Ross Jarman, said about this song, it's uh, fueled by the band's experiences of playing Brixton Windmill for the kids who are only there because they thought it made them look cool. So maybe this is just a little nudge and a wink to Zach's own association with the indie and the emo scenes back in his early years with, with the hair and the shoegazing and all of that. And, looking at the lyrics here did you see his clothes everyone said he looked like a mess yeah so Zach is understandably embarrassed by his old photos as we all are you know, I, I was attempting to rock a similar look around 2007 but my Jufro wouldn't allow it <laughs> um, okay alright you think you're the leader now maybe here um, you know m- more bullshit takes from me he's talking to Vince McMahon here you know thinking hmm. um, going into the cruise classic about last night we won't ever so he's not going to go back to work for wwe uh, i was feeling strange one last fling so that's the cruiserweight classic that's his last fling with the, the fed slightly ashamed well i think it's all right so he probably feels a bit dirty for working for them as he should so i guess that sort of links us on with the next stage of his career but uh, I, I was kind of interested in seeing what he was up to in noah because um i wasn't aware uh, when i was watching him in new japan that he'd, he'd done the whole japan scene already so he's a guy who's um influenced by the 1994 Super J Cup, guys like Wild Pegasus, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Gado, Takamichinoku, Great Sasuke, Hayabusa, Jushin Thunder Liger, Dean Malenko, guys like that. And yeah, I didn't know that he'd spent five years at No. He did the whole young boy thing, cleaned the dojo floors, washed his senpai, uh, Yoshinori Ozawa, washed his laundry. Apparently once ate 40 plates of sushi in one sitting. And uh, did his best to learn the language and the culture. And he's got some accolades to his name as well. He got the, the NOAA Global Tag League in 2012 with him and Ogawa. They defeated Liger and Tiger Mask to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, which, interestingly enough, they lost to Atsushi Kotoge and Taiji Ishimori to bring us full circle back to the current crop of juniors in New Japan. Yeah, I think this is another song that represents uh, the growth of Zack in a way because the song... It is an indictment of sorts against the scenesters, and a scenester is someone who tries very hard to fit in with a certain scene. Typically a music scene, uh, like punk or emo or, or goth or what have you, so they'll dress a certain way or act a certain way in order to look like they belong to that scene and to seem you know, cool and hip and with it and all that stuff. So this song is taking a jab at the scenesters, you know, hey scenesters, hey, hey scenesters, you are all in trouble now. And I think Zach is looking back uh, on his youth, um, not just as a scenester, but as a young wrestler as well, who was trying to fit in, trying to be part of that 2000s indie scene, and not really standing out much. Uh, but now he's older, and he's grown into himself, and become more focused as a, a pure uh, technical wrestler. And he's looking back on himself, on his youth, and saying that he's beyond trying to fit in now, and he's going to go his own way and blaze his own trail, which, I mean, he has, because I think he's made his style of wrestling like his own, I believe. So, Yeah, so really interesting the way that you can track his evolution, not just as a wrestling character, but as a person through his choice of entrance music. So it's, it's telling us a lovely story as we go along, Andrew. Yeah, and uh, going back to what I said about this being a distinctly British-sounding rock song, 
there's another song that Zach is using right now in progress that is also quite distinctly British, uh, but in, in a different way. Uh, but uh, more on that later. More on that later. So uh, now we've mentioned a few times already that uh, Zach was also in the uh, WWE Cruiserweight Classic Tournament back in 2016. And his theme for the tournament uh, was by CFOs. It's called UK Strong. Not much to say about this one from me. Uh, it's your generic dubstep techno song. Uh, there's a lot more going on in this one than Hyphe Mungo, that's for sure. But it doesn't really capture my attention as much as Hyphe Mungo does. I, I think this one is pretty generic and forgettable, actually. Uh, the uh, only notable thing about the song, really, is that it's a remixed version of Justin Gabriel's old theme, Fear Nothing. <laughs> wasn't a very uh, memorable song, so it all makes sense there, I think. Um, and it's funny, it's called UK Strong, but there's really nothing UK about it, you know? I, th I think they just called it UK Strong because they gave it to Zack for the tournament, but uh, it, it really doesn't say anything about Zack Sabre Jr. either, I don't think. I mean, it speaks volumes, doesn't it, that they just gave him Justin Gabriel's old theme and just remixed it and... The, the lack of thought and care and attention to uh, someone who was a very successful wrestler at this point and someone that they had tipped to go all the way to the final, I believe, before that there was some wrangling over the contract. But um, just like you say, this is not a good fit for him. Um, he never wanted to be a star in the USA. Um, I mean, interesting enough, he, he actually beat Flash Morgan Webster to enter this tournament, who is a guy who's appeared on 205 Live recently. Um, but it's just not a good fit. You go back and you watch him and you watch his backstage promos and he's he's making references to Harry Potter and it's just a bit uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's not the, the dickhead hunter that we love. Uh, the dubstep music itself, the song, it reminds me a bit of the Blake and Murphy theme. Yeah. Or um, I'm a big gamer. It reminds me a bit of the final boss theme from Tekken Tag Tournament 2, the Fallen Garden, that song's called. So, And like I said, Zach was supposed to be a bit of a final boss of sorts himself in this tournament. Um, he beat Tyson Dukes. Is it Tyson Dukes? Tyson Ducks? I, I can't remember. Dukes, yeah. Yeah, Tyson Dukes. Yeah. Um, who else did he beat in that tournament? Uh, Noam Dar. 
Um, Drew Gulak. Gulak, yeah, Drew Gulak. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. then he's eliminated by Grand Metalik. So uh, it was supposed to be a Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi final, but neither of them wanted to sign full-time deals. And I guess there's a, a lot of similarities between Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr., both two guys who do their own thing. And Zach is a guy who's kind of against the grain, a bit of a punk, a bit of counterculture. I think it's only fitting that he didn't end up signing with WWE. He, he didn't want to be a junior. He didn't want to be a cruiserweight anymore. And he didn't ever intend to be a star in the USA, given the, the stuff that he watched on TV, the British wrestling, the Japanese wrestling. So just a, a short cup of coffee with the WWE here. And you can kind of guess that it was just a placeholder theme for Zach in the tournament too and if he if he had signed a contract with wwe he likely would have gotten a new theme that could have suited him better um but he didn't sign a contract which uh thank god he didn't too because then he would have probably wrestled i don't know noam dar Arya davari for 18 months on 205 live um instead of you know wrestling walter and matt riddle and keith lee and okada and all the new japan cup guys he faced and all the other awesome matches that he's had these past two years, which uh, would have sucked big time, Joel, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's ironic, really, that it was the Cruiserweight Classic that got my eyeballs on him in the first place. Because I'm not suggesting that CFO or so whoever's doing the music should have gone out and made a, a custom theme for every single person that entered the Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to progress, Zach is also a regular in Revolution Pro Wrestling, RevPro, which is another big UK promotion. His most recent theme there is by a guy named Mikey Ruckus. And Mikey Ruckus is a guy who is, he's kind of like in the vein of Hot Tag Media Works, where he's this independent artist who makes a lot of themes for independent UK wrestlers, uh, mostly for RevPro. Um, so... He made a theme for Zack Sabre Jr., and uh, there's no uh, fancy-schmancy title. It's just called the Zack Sabre Jr. theme. Yep. Sabre Jr. Yep. Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. Hey. There is something y'all can't understand. He's a technical wizard, man. And there is something y'all can't understand. Where the lights drop, these flash moments. This is where time stops. It's like a matrix in slow motion. But he moves in real time while you're still frozen. It's like you telegraph your every movement. He is the technical wizard, now watch him prove it. You wanna step up to the saber, trying to chin check it. Like Peter Parker, throw the punch and then he'll sidestep it. And shoot the double leg, a tactical machine. It's like you standing on the tracks and he's the big train. He'll leave you broken and confused, he will wreck your fame. You go toe to toe with him and you won't be the same. He's a new breed of tradition, trying to break it down. Demolinko's at a thousand, he's at fifty thousand. His technique is too superior for you to catch it. It's like you playing your Nintendo, you're a button masher. Come on! There is something y'all can't understand. So we've had young Zach, we've had focused technical Zach, we've had British Zach, and now we have cocky asshole Zach. The guy who thinks he's king shit and he's the best wrestler in the world and he's gonna pop the collar flip you the bird, uh, call you a tosser, or a wanker, or a git, or a, a plonker, or any other any, any other fun British insult you can think of, because 
He's just a cocky asshole. And when you're a cocky asshole, it's appropriate to have music that will let everyone else know that you're a cocky asshole. In this case, it's a sort of like hip-hop dubstep hybrid, which is perfect because hip-hop is a very braggadocio, I'm better than you genre of music. Um, now the quality of the hip-hop isn't, it, it's a different story here, okay? We're not exactly dealing with Outkast. Uh, the rhyming could be improved somewhat. Um, he'll shoot the double leg, a technical machine. It's like you're standing on the tracks and he's the big train. Eh, there's room for improvement, I think. A little room for improvement. But, you know, he gets the job done. He gets over Zack and his moveset and his attitude and his, you know, his style and how good he is as a wrestler. I mean, he name checks Dean Malenko, for crying out loud, you know? Uh, he's a new breed of technician, trying to break it down. Dean Malenko's at a thousand, he's at fifty thou. So I'll give some props to Mikey Ruckus here for, you know, putting in the appropriate references. Andrew, there is something I can't understand. Is he a technical wizard man? Listen, Joel, there is something you can understand. He's a technical wizard, man. Okay, I think I've got it. I might need to write that down. <laughs> but this is quite an in, another interesting genre shift here um, into the hip hop. Uh, Zach is a fan of hip hop himself. He likes grime, uh, like Kendrick Lamar, Run the Jewels, Old Future, Old Sweatshirt. And uh, the UK grime scene that's been called a revival, but it never really went away. I think there's more people paying attention to it, much like Zach himself. Um, for this song, I'm instantly a fan of any hip hop that has got wrestling lyrics in it. Uh, like the lap fan theme song that's another brilliant one and yeah i've got highlighted here the dean malenko thing which is appropriate considering he zach was a guy who did admire dean malenko when he was watching him on tv as he was growing up and i like the line also it's like you're playing your nintendo you're a button masher so again any reference to video games and i'm all on board it also reminds me a bit of the wwf aggression cd I don't know if you ever had that one back in the day uh i didn't no um i know my former co-host chris wants to come back on one day and do an aggression episode. Oh, uh, it's should. kind of a lifelong dream of his. Um, maybe not mine, but <laughs> if I'm being honest there, but uh, I'm sure we'll do it one day. Yeah, this song reminds me a bit of the the Rocks remixed uh, hip-hop track on that CD. So uh, if you do ever get around to doing that one, I will be all in favor. Double thumbs up from me because that's a great CD. Got a great track by Run DMC on it. Oh yeah, we did that one on the uh, hip-hop episode with Rich Kreich last year. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, again, not much to say about this one for me. Um, the hook here is something y'all can't understand. He's the technical wizard man. That is, of course, a takeoff of the classic Cypress Hill song, "How I Could Just Kill a Man." And I hope people enjoy that hook because it, it does take up most of the song. Um, there is just that that one verse, and the rest is the uh, the grimy dubstep and the hook. But again, Mikey Ruckus, he's making a wrestling theme. He's got the references in there. He's probably thinking, you know, Zach shouldn't take too long to get to the ring. So he'll, he'll, he'll just do one big verse and that'll be enough to, uh, uh, to satisfy a wrestling show. Yeah, uh, at least there's a little touch of personalization in here, unlike the last one. Yeah, and uh, if anyone out there wants to hear other Mikey Ruckus wrestling themes, uh, he does have a SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find him on there. It's um, Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, Ruckus, R-U-K-U-S. Is how he spells it, uh, and he's got uh, Trent Seven's Rev Pro theme, uh, Josh Bodum, uh, Zach Gibson, CCK, many more. Uh, they're all on there on the SoundCloud page, so uh, check them all out there. 
Um, yeah, it's catchy stuff. Time now for the second to last theme of the episode. And uh, nowadays in progress, and towards the end of his recent run in uh, Evolve, Zack uh, no longer uses Hey Scenesters. He uses a different song. This is by a band called Idols, and it's off of their album Brutalism. It's called Mother. Young Zack, uh, we've had focused technical Zack, we've had British Zack, we've had cocky asshole Zack, and now we've got political Zack, because Zack is very open about where he stands politically. Um, as he once said in one of his backstage New Japan promos, I fight with my brain and an underlying hatred of the British Conservative Party. Which he made t-shirts out of, by the way. <laughs> Which I, I thought was I pretty... I uh... one of them. If anyone could get one of those and send them to me, I'll pay top dollar for that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's funny, but you know, he votes Labour. He endorses Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, he hates the Tories, uh, which is the big conservative political group in the UK. So it, it's no secret that Zach leans to the left. Um, now, Mother by Idols. Uh, Idols is a band that is also... Uh, very open about their political feelings. Uh, they are very passionate and vocal about their hatred of the right, and they're not too keen on the left nowadays either. Uh, in general, they just hate the fact that the world is going to shit, which is understandable, you know. But um, and you know, as evidenced by their song, this song, they express that hate with vitriolic vocals, explicit lyrics. Uh, thrashing guitars, a booming bass line, pounding drums, which, yeah, that'll do it. I, I mean, the name of the album is Brutalism, which sums it all up right there. This is aggressive punk rock that pulls no punches and hits you right over the head, which is, it's right in Zach's wheelhouse, no doubt. Yeah, I'd written down exactly the same thing as you, that this is political Zach, this is punk Zach, this is the dickhead hunter coming out, so... Uh, of course, Idols, they're an English punk rock band. They're from Bristol. And in this song, they're singing about the best way to scare a Tory. Now, I love this song. This is a fantastic song. And of course, Tories, that's the nickname, as you mentioned, for the, the Conservative Party in Britain. But it goes a bit deeper than that. It's a whole political philosophy, Toryism, based on uh, like a British version of traditionalism, conservatism. So that's upholding the supremacy of social order as it's evolved throughout history. Uh, actually originated in Ireland in the mid-17th century, it was a term of abuse for Irish rebels who were allied with the Royalists and 
resisted Oliver Cromwell's campaign of English parliamentary conquest during the wars of the three kingdoms. Getting a bit of a history lesson here as well. So uh, the Tories, they believe in maintaining the social order as it's revolved over time. And that means like if you're educated or from a well-to-do family or rich or high social status, uh, it's because you and your family have worked hard to get there. Uh, it's nothing, of course, to do with past exploitation or corruption. And that's a goal that everyone should have. But of course, realistically, no one's ever going to accomplish. So uh, I was looking at the, the link that you sent me with the lyrics. So metaphorically, the, the singer of this song, Joe Talbot, his mother's getting fucked over by the Tories, having to work longer hours to provide for them and he wants to fuck them back by becoming a wealthy intellectual but he doesn't have the means so he's stuck staring at the pretty colors the tv the drugs alcohol or whatever and also there's a talking about the lack of empathy some men have for women issues of sexual assault which doesn't start and end with rape and it's a lot more complex than that it makes women fear for their lives so uh, he's literally asking how can you motherfuckers not see how terrible motherfuckers are so we get a real feel for zach's politics he's a socialist he's a punk he's a big supporter of the labor party as you said um is a man after my own heart because i hate the tories they're they're selfish racist bastards um, it's something that's affected me personally, actually, because the the current prime minister of the UK, Theresa May, she was the um, home secretary of the UK back in 2012. So at the time I was living in Thailand and my wife is from Thailand as well. So we were planning to come back to the UK. And around the time Theresa May introduced this uh, arbitrary new law that said uh, if you want to bring your spouse and for your spouse to qualify for a visa you the sponsor have to be earning more than 18 and a half thousand pounds which might not sound like a lot but it's way above the minimum wage and it was more than I was earning back then so I had a real problem uh, getting back to the UK you know this is this is my home and I was made to feel unwelcome like a, an outcast just because of the the person that I'd fallen in love with. So it left a real sour taste in my mouth. I, I was able to overcome it eventually uh, for various means, but there's a lot of British people whose families have been ripped apart by this woman and the, this legislation she's introduced um, where uh, the, the sponsor, usually the father can go back to the UK, the child can go back to the UK, but the mother can't because the father's not earning enough money or maybe they're self-employed or they've got irregular work. So it's just really heartbreaking stuff. And, and to see a woman like that in charge of the country just really makes me sick. And it was one of the reasons I emigrated and I um, don't have any intention of ever going back to the UK. So, you know, going back to the wrestling, it, it doesn't cover social commentary in the same way that music and film do, but it does provide escapism. Zach's a man who believes that professional wrestling should be working class entertainment at his roots, given that he wasn't a rich kid himself. He was never alienated from wrestling. And I don't think I'd say this about many wrestlers, but I would legitimately vote for him as prime minister. So if the, the wrestling doesn't work out, Zach, uh, you've got my vote. And you know, we know he's a guy, he likes the counterculture, he likes going against the grain. He, he said at the G1 press conference last year that he's motivated by the inevitable decline of neoliberalism. So stereotypical move names, they don't fit his mindset, as we talked about earlier. There's a, a touch of self-indulgence there. One of his moves is called hypernormalization which is the name of a 2016 BBC documentary by a British filmmaker called Adam Curtis, who argued that since the 70s, the government's financiers, technological utopians have given up on the, the quote-unquote real world because it's too complex and have built this fake world that's run by corporations, kept stable by politicians. And I think that's partly what this song, What Mother, is about. Yeah, yeah. The song is just so politically charged and there's so much anger and aggression directed towards the Tories and the government in general. 
you mentioned the lead singer, uh, Joe Talbot, singing about uh, how his mother is getting screwed over by the Tories. That's based on real life. Uh, I read an article about idols, and Talbot uh, mentioned how his mother got really sick towards the end of her life. And the UK government did budget cuts to their national healthcare system. So uh, his mother couldn't get the care that she needed. Uh, so Talbot had to spend most of his days taking care of her until she died. So him screaming, mother, fucker, isn't just for fun and games. There, there's some real weight and emotion behind it. So, and it's funny, you know, it's funny that this is a song that will certainly get a crowd pumped up at a wrestling show. Uh, I mean, the music alone will get your blood pumping. The impassioned vocals certainly help as well. Even though the song is depressing as shit. You know, it's referencing unfair working hours, political dissonance, rape, murder, the physical erosion of the lead singer's mother. These aren't the kinds of topics that will get your toes tapping at a wrestling show. But I think that Talbot sings the song with such oomph, you know, such fury, such ruthless aggression, that as a human being, you can't help but bang your head to it. Because it's all a matter of delivery, I think. There's a difference between my mother works 17 hours, 7 days a week, and my mother works 17 hours, 7 days a week. The first one is, oh man, that sucks. I'm sorry, man. The second is, fuck yeah! You know, it, it just it's just a natural response to stimuli. And the video for the song is great as well with uh, Joe Talbot smashing a load of uh, porcelain teacups as well. So it's definitely a song when I listen to, I want to go out and start breaking people's arms, preferably Tories. You know, I'll, I'll be honest here. Um, Idols are not really a band for me. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a big punk rock person in general. I, I like The Clash and The Ramones, you know, the big guns, but the more, um, the more brutal stuff, uh, no pun intended there, uh, it's not for me. Um, and, and to be honest, as an American, I can't be bothered with all the goings-on with the, the UK political system over there, okay? We have our own political shit to deal with, thank you very much. I don't have time for the, the Tories and whatnot, you know? So yeah, The whole world's going down the toilet. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, the only Tory I care about is Tory Wilson. <laughs> hubba a hubba. But uh, anywho, any, anywho, uh, the final theme on our list is one that uh, Zach is using right now in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, it's by New Japan's composer, Yonosuke Kitamura, off the album NJPW Greatest Music 6. This is Real Bone Master Remix.
We end with what I think is a fitting conclusion to the Zack Sabre Jr. theme history episode, uh, because the song, I think, is kind of a, an amalgamation of sorts uh, from previous Sabre themes. Uh, it's got the electronica from Hype Mongo. It's got the grimy dubstep from the Rev Pro theme. It's got hard rock guitars and pounding drums from Burning Heart. It's got politically charged lyrics from Mother. Okay, it doesn't have that, but have any lyrics? <laughs> it, it does have those other sounds. Uh, and I feel like all of those sounds coming together to make up this song, it goes hand in hand with Zack making it to New Japan. Because it feels like all of it has led to this. You know, starting out in the UK, building a fan base, earning a rep as this you know elite technical wrestler, traveling the world and being a champion in PWG, NOAA, Evolve, WXW, Rev Pro, all of that has led to this moment right now with Zack Sabre Jr. being a star in New Japan. And he is a star, folks. You don't beat Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, Sanada, and Hiroshi Tanahashi clean as a sheet in 10 days. Then main event, Sakura Genesis against Okada for the belt and not be a star. So Zack is where he is now because of where he was. And his New Japan theme being a mix of all these different sounds that have reverberated throughout his career is a nice symbol of that. Yeah, definitely agree. Again, uh, this is when I really started getting into Zack Sabre Jr. And I think he really started to shine here. Um, I'm going to give the last history lesson of the day. Um, so the Isle of Sheppey, where Zack's from, has got a notable landmark on it. It's a building called Sherland Hall. And that belonged to a family of nobles called the de Sherland family. And in 1327, Sir Robert de Sherlin killed a monk and then he went to ask the king for a pardon. So he rode to where the king's ship was anchored, which is just off the Isle of Sheppey, and he was forgiven. And as he was returning, he met a witch. And the witch said that de Sherlin's horse, called Grey Dolphin, which had borne him so bravely to the ship, would end up being the death of him. So Sir Robert immediately killed the horse, he cut off its head. And a year later, Sir Robert was walking along the shore when a shard of the horse's bone pierced his foot. And blood poisoning set in, and so Robert died. So I'm sure Zach was thinking of this as he became the title of this song, The Real Bone Master. And also, as an added bonus, he has gone on record criticizing Japanese people for eating horses. Of course, Zach's been a, a vegan for three years. And yeah, I kind of like this song. It, it did have an unreleased uh, version, which is similar, but it's got a different intro. Yeah, he used um, that for the uh, G1 Climax last year. Right, yeah. um, I like that one because it's a bit like a song by programming the psycho drill called Show Me Your Spine, which was used in Robocop. There's a scene where Robocop arrests Leon Nash in a nightclub and Leon tries to kick him in the balls, but Robocop ends up dragging him out by his hair. So I like that Zack Sabre Jr. song because it reminded me of Robocop, which is, of course is one of the best films ever made. And so I listen to this song and this makes me think of comedy, Zach. So we've had uh, scene, Zach. We've had music, Zach. We've had political, Zach. This is comedy, Zach. Um, and I asked you about this earlier. So if you go back to Wrestle Kingdom 12 and you watch the beginning of the never six-man uh, gauntlet match and when Suzuki going to come out, Zach says something to the camera and it sounds something like nobody's going to like Techno Mate or I hope everyone likes Techno Mate, something like that. So... I can't quite make up what he says. So if any listeners can work it out, lip reading, whatever, let me know, because I think that will give us some insight into how he really feels about this song. So 
we've got a bit of a techno that he loves uh touch of the angry heavy punk guitarist as well and this song really grew on me during the new japan cup um i was writing a lot of the voices of wrestling reviews for that tour which was amazing because i love zach and i love seeing him having these not only were the matches great but he was just cutting through this murderer's row of uh aces and future aces um like a hot knife through butter and it was amazing and You've written on your show notes here that it heavily samples gorgeous Go Go Girls mix by Severe. Uh, that's a pretty generous way of putting it. Some might say <laughs> plagiarized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kitamura, he uh, he definitely uh, samples, uh, heavily samples. And I do stress the word heavily. Uh, that song, gorgeous Go Go Girls mix by Severe. <laughs> some loud metal guitars and drums and some uh, extra bits and bobs to his song and at, at first this shocked me that kitamura would just so blatantly sample an outside song like this until i remembered that he also sampled the song come alive by netsuki for bushi's theme which i brought up on the lij episode so it's not totally out of character for kitamura to do something like this and I think this is a point in Zach's career where his real personality starts to shine in New Japan. He had his uh, baseball cap feud with Naito. Uh, <laughs> back in the G1, he said he hates Naito because he looks cool in a baseball cap. And Zach can't wear baseball caps because he's got a tiny head and it looks ridiculous. And then in the New Japan Cup, he said he was going to piss in Naito's hat and throw it in Tokyo Bay. Uh, we got the, the debut of his finishing move, Orienteering with Napalm Death, which is... Uh, a bit from a British comedian called Stuart Lee, who, again, a bit like Zach, he's a uh, left-leaning person. He's counterculture. He's against the grain. Uh, I've said this so many times. But I'm going to say it one more time. Um, I was in the front row of that Stuart Lee show when he did the Orienteering with Napalm Death bit. So if you go on YouTube and you search for Orienteering with Napalm Death, the Stuart Lee clip from the BBC will come up and you'll get to see me and my dad sitting there in the front row. So that's my uh, very tenuous claim to fame there. Um, so all throughout this run, he's been referencing British comedy as well. Uh, he's been making reference to Brass Eye, which is one of my favorite comedy shows. Uh, he's talking about it like he's going to make his opponent feel like he's had a fortnight in a bad balloon. He tweeted that he's sad and that the Japanese media didn't investigate his concern over Okada's Clarky Cat usage. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen Brass Eye, that, my one thing, please take away from this, go and watch Brass Eye because it is amazing. It's so, so funny. It, it's genius. It's very funny. Yeah, very, very funny. I'm, I mean, I mean, Zach's promos themselves since like the New Japan Cup have just been like you know, top-notch stuff. Uh, the Brass Eye references... The Malcolm Tucker references, uh, what's another one? Uh, oh, I'm a long mover. I'm the windy man. I'm the windy man. Yeah, so I think that's Mighty Boosh, the, the long mover, the windy man. Also, the, the thick of it, um, when he said that Chase Owens is as useful as a marzipan dildo. <laughs> um, so it's just a lot of funny stuff there. And 
there's some consternation about whether or not Zach is a good fit in Suzuki Goon. But bear in mind, this is a guy who grew up watching a lot of submission style wrestling like UWF, UWFI, Battle Arts, Pancrase. So personally, I think Suzuki Goon is a, a natural fit for the submission master. And I think the reason it's called Real Bone Master is because it's meant to be Real Born Master, but uh, something got lost in translation, probably. Um, unless it is supposed to be Real Bone Master, because, I mean, Zack is technically a master of bones. He can probably manipulate them and break them at will, so it can make sense in that regard. I'm going with my theory about Sir Robert de Sherland. I'm sure uh, oh, yes, Yonosuke well, Kitamura yeah. is a, a big aficionado of uh, Isle of Sheppey history. Kitamura is he's a known British historian. It's kind of a kind of a poorly kept secret at this point. So we'll go with your explanation as the official one. How about that? Yes, official. All right. Well, that was our look at the themes of Zack Sabre Jr., Awesome wrestler, awesome songs, a nice variety of music as well. Uh, and you know, even though Zack has already been wrestling for 14 years at this point, he still has a long career ahead of him. And I, I can't wait to see what comes next for him. Um, he just won the Super Strong Style 16 tournament in, in progress. He's one half of the undisputed British tag team champions in Rev Pro with Minoru Suzuki. And as far as New Japan goes um i don't know what comes next for him there but given what he's already accomplished so far this year with new japan cup and the okada match uh, i think it's going to be notable and it's, it's going to involve some great matches so uh joel what about you uh any final thoughts on zack saber jr i will settle for him becoming either the first british iwgp heavyweight champion or the prime minister of the united <laughs> kingdom either or uh take your pick take your pick there uh all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Joel, for being here. You were just a superb co-host. You really brought the goods today. Uh, this was so much fun. Anything you want to plug, just go right ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the Super Jcast or my personal account at Joel J Abraham. So as Andrew mentioned, I have the New Japan Pro Wrestling Show on Voices Wrestling, co-hosted with David McDonald's. We usually release that every Sunday night, Monday morning. So if you're interested in New Japan Pro Wrestling, please check that out too. And Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to Many excellent wrestling podcasts like the Super J Cast, but also the VOW flagship, Everything Evolves, Wrestling Omakaze, Five Star Match Game, Open the Voice Gate, and plenty more. All of them are at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW Forum at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. Subscribe to the show on, on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Rate, review, etc., etc. Joel, thanks again for being here. Uh, and, uh, you know, keep up the great work with the writing and the Super J cast. Um, and I know, I know Damon wants to be on the show too. So I'll keep a spot open for him uh, a few episodes down the road. Yeah, just put Jushin Liger's theme on a continuous loop and he'll be on board. Okay, well, for Joel Abraham, I am Entrance the Master. I am A-T-R. I am Andrew Tyler Rich. Joel Abraham, K.
Come on over here. Oh, wait, the show's over. Shit. <laughs> uh, uh, in that case, uh, Joel Abraham, stay over there. I just tap out. <laughs> Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. And when I win the IWGP heavyweight title, I want gold beers! Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.